ואתה תצווה את בני ישראל, ויקחו אליך שמן זית זך, כתית למאור, להעלות נר תמיד. You shall command the Israelites to bring clear oil of beaten olives for lighting, for kindling lamps regularly. In the Bible, every detail of the construction of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, was spelled out. Here, the Bible specifies what oil is used to light the lamp, it's plural really, the lamps in the tabernacle. It can't just be whatever oil comes your way. It must be shemen zait zach, clear oil of beaten olives. In other words, high quality oil. What seems to interest the Torah most is the nature and quality of the oil used to kindle the lamps in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle. But over time, commentators in Jewish tradition focused more on the last two words, ner tamid, which originally meant the regular lighting of lamps, but evolved into the now familiar object, the ner tamid, the eternal flame that hangs in many synagogues, see, as our own, above the ark. The rabbinic tradition discussed at length the symbolism and function of this ner tamid. What was its purpose? What does the lamp symbolize? And why tamid, perpetually, always, everlasting? One midrash teaches that this lamp is a symbol of Torah, and most specifically, the moral guidance and discipline that results from Torah study. The words of the Torah give light to those who study them, the rabbis teach. Whoever is not so occupied stumbles and falls. It can be compared to one who stands in the dark, say the sages. He feels his way, comes up against a gutter, and falls, his face striking the ground. Why? Because he went without a lamp. So it is with people who have no moral education. They come upon sin and fall. But those who study Torah, the rabbis teach, give light everywhere. It can be compared to one who was standing in the dark. He saw a stone and a gutter and did not fall. Why? Are you listening? <laughs> because he has a lamp. What an amazing teaching. And it is so relevant to our times and to all times. The light of the eternal flame, according to our sages, is what we would call today enlightenment, moral education. This is what the study of Torah provides. Those who engage in moral contemplation and who have had moral guidance 
and discipline light the way out of the primordial swamp from which we humans emerged. Those who do not think deeply about morality stumble in darkness. They lead themselves and society astray. For this reason, the rabbis taught that the effort must be tamid, always, perpetually, all the time, to abandon the study and search for moral truth is to bring darkness into the world. Our moral sensibilities atrophy, we fall into shadow. Enlightenment requires moral discipline, tamid, always, every day, all the time. This is what we're losing nowadays, the moral sense. Much of what passes as uprightness is really moral myopia blusterous, self-righteous preening, a kind of egotistic and narcissistic virtue signaling. Dr. Dara Horn wrote a brilliant essay last week in The Atlantic. I urge all of you to read it and read it carefully. She raises a simple but immensely profound question. If, as we assume, Hatred comes from ignorance. Why, she asks, are America's best universities filled with Jew hatred? If education is the answer, as we often tell ourselves, why are so many of America's brightest and most educated justifying putting in context, explaining away, or even denying the events of October 7th, the most lethal and sadistic barbarity perpetrated on the Jewish people since the Holocaust. How can an openly genocidal terrorist organization be supported, even admired and glorified, by those who claim to defend human rights? How does assaulting and torturing Jewish women and defiling their corpses advance women's rights. If intelligence and reason are the solutions to hatred and bigotry, why do the most intelligent deny, or worse, justify hatred and bigotry towards Jews? The answer at its core is that prejudice generally, and certainly Jew hatred, are not fundamentally about lack of education or intelligence. Education is the answer is a flawed assumption and often an empty platitude. Rather, it's what the rabbis taught thousands of years ago. Sin, evil, and immorality are the results, not of lack of general education, but lack of moral education. Injustice, bigotry, and hatred emerge from moral laxness, the undisciplined assumption 
of presumed moral principles that is in reality, according to Dr. Horn, a form of conspiracy theory. The big lie that Jews are manipulating supervillains that need to be brought down in the name of morality. Thus, the fight against the Jewish people becomes a virtuous moral struggle, or what some in the world called jihad, holy war, or intifada, the uprising against the forces of evil, a shaking off of persecution that must be globalized. Or in Western parlance, the struggle against oppression, apartheid, racism, or whatever is the resonant evil of the times. This is the grave threat to us and to Western civilization itself to approach the world's challenges as all or nothing moral propositions, to lump people into moral categories by virtue of the color of their skin, not the content of their character, and by so labeling them, we assume that they are either oppressors or oppressed, racists or anti-racists, and by the way, Anti-racism is what I tell you it is because I am a member of a certain group and you are not. These are not moral arguments. They constitute faux morality. And they are profoundly illiberal. Liberals, first and foremost, must reject these ideas. I'm a liberal. They are offensive to liberals, especially if propounded in the name of liberalism. And because they are a liberal, they're also very dangerous, especially to Jews. Because in the eyes of others, we will always find ourselves on the wrong side of these all-or-nothing intersectional categorizations. We need to confront the sobering reality that higher education does not guarantee higher-minded people. It's a shame that the most evil are not the least intelligent because they would be easier to deal with. Some of history's most hideous acts were perpetrated by the most intelligent and the most highly educated people. We know this here in New York City. The mastermind of the 9-11 attacks, Mohammed Atta, was an outstanding student in Germany and received his postgraduate degree as an urban planner from the Technical University of Hamburg. He used his knowledge of urban planning not to build cities, but to destroy the world's trade center and to kill thousands of people, including many of our congregants. He was a murderer, not a righteous freedom fighter from an oppressed group. What good is an urban planning degree if you 
use it to plan urban destruction. I don't know why this surprises us, but it does every time. The finest education in the world does not necessarily teach people compassion. It doesn't necessarily teach generosity, respect, tolerance, responsibility, morality, kindness, or charity. It doesn't even necessarily teach how to distinguish between murder and self-defense, terrorism and just war. How else to explain the utter moral confusion of the most highly educated people? In fact, Higher education often produces people who are simply more competent in their deviancies and more articulate in their perversities. If we do not teach virtue, all human advances can be misshapen into something hideous and misused to make a hell of heaven. There are all too many brilliant scientists who designed viruses that kill. Many exceptional lawyers pervert justice. Courageous warriors often inspire legions of followers to commit horrendous atrocities. Intelligence alone is prone to arrogance. As Shakespeare wrote, proud man dressed in a little brief authority most ignorant of what he's most assured. And the risk is that the higher the intelligence, the more arrogance it generates. We can think ourselves into practically anything. We can reason ourselves into the most unreasonable positions. Most of history's evils were not accidental. They were the product of deliberation, of thought. Intelligence can lead to catastrophe. Therefore, goodness, decency, humane values, compassion, mercy, these are the ultimate guarantors of our well-being. We are born with moral potential, but like every other skill, moral talent must be activated. We must learn to be good. We need moral teachers. We need moral guides. We need moral training. We need moral discipline. Tamid, every day. This is why the failure of America's top educators and religious leaders to respond to the moral evil of October 7th is so devastating. The rabbis were right. We must practice goodness, ethics, morale, morality, generosity, compassion, kindness, forgiveness are the product of instruction, moral example, hard work, and devotion. Discipline. We need to practice morality, not merely think about it. We need to educate and habituate ourselves daily to moral living and train ourselves 
daily for moral discipline. And if we do this, if those to whom we look for moral guidance, moral teaching, and moral modeling, if they offer moral example in word and in deed, and if they demonstrate moral courage in defiance of cowardice or convenience, there is yet hope for humanity. Every moral lamp that is lit ripples out from that single flame to light up the world's moral paths. In the words of the Midrash, just as the light of the Ner Tamid is undiminished, even if a million candles are kindled from it, so the righteous ones will not be diminished by their moral example. If we illuminate the moral way, millions of others will bask in its light.